We begin with the letter A. A is for... M is for murder. E is for... Danger! And, uh... Dodge. With... Monster. Help! Love me and be... Please help! Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another spooky edition of the Is For Podcast. Tonight, I will be your host, the always lovely monster and joining us is the always lovely sarge oh what you you made a weird sound and then awkward silence i said hey oh oh well all i heard was at the end of it (laughs) and we are dangerless yeah, he's dead or something like that. I don't know. It happens. It happens. <laughs> he didn't choose the right path. And that is what you call a segue, ladies and gentlemen, because tonight we are talking about the very popular PlayStation 4 game, Until Dawn. Now, this is one of my personal favorite video games over the past few years. Sarge, do you have any relationship with this game? Uh, It's on PlayStation, so... No, I've heard about it. I'm not, if, if it's like what I think it is, which I'm not going to try to steal your thunder or anything because, you know, I'm just, that's just like mean and cruel. <laughs> if you say so. Uh, I do know it's a zombie-esque game, so that's about as much as I know right now. And it has nothing to do with zombies, so we're off to a good start. It's a horror game, right? Yeah, it's a horror game, but it doesn't have anything to do with zombies. Oh, well, that's what I thought it was. But anyway. Yeah, so that that's good. That's good. That means we're all, you you are a blank slate for my wealth of knowledge. Oh, do I need to bring a pencil and a piece of paper? If monster is in charge, you always need to take notes for the quiz oh, that was shortly after. Why can't it just be I'm here, give me an A? Because this isn't community college. <laughs> all right. So until dawn it was released August twenty fifth. 2015 for PlayStation 4. They categorize it as an interactive drama horror video game. It was developed by Supermassive Games, and we'll talk about them more later, uh, and published by Sony. Um, Basically, the way it works is you take control of about eight different characters in a cabin up in the mountains, and it has a very 80s slasher, old-school horror feel about it. Um, all the playable characters can survive or they can die. And it's all based on your decisions throughout the game. Sometimes it's real simple. Two or three characters are having a conversation and you just pick and choose how you want them to respond to certain statements. Other times there's a lot of uh, quick time events uh, that'll happen that you need to you know, be ready for. And if you fail those, sometimes they lead to death. Sometimes they just lead to alternate paths. But it's all, like I said, all eight characters can survive or die. So it's it's one of those things where there's a lot of replayability there to, to pick and choose different options to see what will happen. Okay, to clarify, a quick time event, is, for example, a quick time event is you're in it, you're, you're, you're like trying to jump across the stream and you have to press X at a certain amount of time. Yeah, I got to hit triangle at a certain amount of time or you got to pick left or right. And you have so much time to do it. And if you don't do it, it's a negative reaction. If you miss, it's a negative reaction. Yes. So. And so with that being said, there are no fighting segments. There's nope. no shooting segments. There's no action sec- 
excuse me. There's no action sequences that you actually control the character. All you do is you respond through quick time events. Or to to save us some time, we're going to call them QTEs because it's a lot easier to say. Are we going to be talking a lot about QTEs? Uh, we'll, we'll probably come up a couple more times, I think. Cuties? We're going to talk about cuties? Cuties, yeah. We'll uh, cuties. you're a cutie. Ugh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. You're, I hope your skin just crawled. It did, absolutely. So, the game actually started as a PlayStation 3 game that was going to be in first person and use the PlayStation Move controllers. Oh my now, gosh. Yes, that would have been... Oh, that would not have turned out well. PlayStation Move controllers were the ones that looked like flashlights with bulbs on the end of them, with blue blue and white bulbs. Yes, and what sucks is I have a PlayStation 4 and I have the VR headset, and some games still insist on you using those style controllers, and I just, I can't get used to them. They're just not comfortable to me. Look like a dumb lightsaber. Kind of, yeah, kind of. Yeah. So eventually it was dropped and it, it when they it was taking a while to get into development so they switched it to the PlayStation 4 and they decided to um drop the first person perspective for a more old school Resident Evil style fixed camera angle thing and that really really works for this style of game because it really adds to that cinematic you feel like you're playing a horror movie more so than just about any other game I've ever played to add to this, the game was actually written by Larry Fessenden, who is kind of a B-movie horror guy that a lot of people like. Um, he, he's done several real schlocky films. Again, Schlocky? Just- can, we, can we get a definition of schlocky, please? Schlock? You've never heard the term schlock? Uh, would I be asking if I had? <laughs> um, so... If if you were to describe a film as schlocky, uh, that's another way of saying cheesy or a kind of low budget. You can you can see the zipper on the back of the costumes. The acting is really bad. Um, a cheesy movie. A cheesy, okay. usually referring to like exploitation or horror films. You a lot of times use the term schlock or cheesy. Um, yeah, or cheesy, if you just want to be, you know. If you don't want to use a cool word, you just say cheesy. I'm old. Um, I don't use cool words anymore. Sassafras. <laughs> the old whippersnapper. <laughs> but the idea was to blend uh, a movies kind of like uh, a couple of the movies that they mentioned as inspiration were Evil Dead 2, Poltergeist, uh, some other 70s and 80s horror films. Especially Absolute classics. Films absolute yeah, classic and, and a lot of slasher films too like friday the 13th and stuff because you do have like the eight young adults like early 20s group of characters like you do in a lot of those films but then mix it with like video games like resident evil and silent hill but gameplay style more like heavy rain less it's not really a survival horror game exactly because it's really more of a interactive cinematic experience so to speak Ah. and to make it even more like a film they actually hired legitimate hollywood actors and actresses 
Um, and, and this would be something that Supermassive would continue to do on with their um, Dark Pictures anthology, which we'll get to that in a little while. But for this one, Until Dawn, uh, it starred Rami Malek. You might know him as uh, he just played Freddie Mercury in that cool Queen movie. Mm. Uh, Hayden Panettiere, who was in, I can't remember, some MTV show, The, the Hills or OC or something like that. Um, and then Peter Stormare, who he played the... Uh, the Devil and Constantine. He's been in a bunch of horror movies and stuff too. So, and then several other solid actors and actresses. But those were the three that like had a little bit of pull at the time. Okay. I, I didn't know. Oh, okay. I was just like, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's just like, woo, where'd that fight come from? <laughs> so the gameplay mostly consists of you taking control of these eight different characters. Um, you'll play as one person for a little while and then you'll switch to another person. And a lot of times they're kind of lit off like these two or three are exploring the woods and these two or three are... You never split the party, man. Scooby-Doo taught us that. You never split the party. Now, I will say, I I will say I have seen people play this game. I I have watched people play this game and I do know, and I'm, if I steal some thunder, I apologize. No, please. That you you made the, you made the mention that you would sit there and take control of various people at various points in times, and I have found that watching these people play that if you if a character dies due to your indecisions or something you've done, they are no longer like like, like they are gone gone. Like there is no yes. they come back at the end gone. It's they are gone gone. You lose control. And the developers basically programmed the game in such a way that if certain characters don't die, they will show up later and be a part of the story in some way, shape, or fashion. But if they do die, yes, it's permadeath. They're gone. They do not come back at any point during the game. Um, and, And the way this all happens is they have this butterfly effect system where everything that you say or do in the game will affect something that will occur later on in the game. So like you said, if you lose a character, that obviously is going to affect something that takes place later on in the game. Mm-hmm. But there's there's thousand different cases of this in the game. Like there's a part where uh, you're doing target practice and there's a bird. Do you shoot the bird or do you let the bird live? That will affect what happens later in the game. There's a part where uh, a stray dog, do you attack the dog and get it to go away? Or do you try to be nice to it and, and bring it to you? This will play out later in the game. Um, several interactions with, with different characters. Uh, when they all get to the cabin, some of them are dating. There's some love interest. There's some people that don't like each other. So how you interact amongst each other, again, the butterfly effect will, it'll affect things that happen later on in the game. So it seems like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and to make sure that, you know, you can't just, you know, save your game and then, oh, crap, I, I made the wrong decision. This guy died. I'll just reload my save. No. They have an autosave system that basically, once these things go into effect and your character dies, that particular character dies, 
you can't reload it from that spot. You won't get that character back until you play the game again. That's that's what I was going to say. The little choices you make, you can't go through and unmake them later on. The only way to do that, from what I have seen, again, I have never played this, but what I've seen is I have seen people literally stop their playthrough, middle of a stream, and start the game all over again because there's a desired outcome that they want that they just screwed up. And that sucks because how many playable hours are in this game? So the game is broken down into 10 chapters, and each chapter is about 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how you want to navigate. Because if you go real slow and you look at every nook and cranny, there are so many Easter eggs and little hints and little clues everywhere that make exploration fun. But if you kind of know where everything is, you just kind of hustle through it. It doesn't take as long. But in between every one of these chapters, the Peter Stromer character, he plays a psychologist. And what happens is it, it becomes like interactive first person. You're sitting there looking at him and he's basically talking to you and he's asking you about your phobias, your fears. And the way you respond to this, again, affects things later in the game. So he'll show you two pictures and he'll be like, which one of these makes you more uncomfortable? And he'll show you a picture of like snakes or rats and you pick which one you don't like. And then he'll be like, which one of these two characters do you like better? And he'll show you two characters from the game and you have to pick. And again, all of these little things in turn <laughs> affect how the game plays out going forward. So so 10 hours of playtime, roughly. Roughly, roughly. Can you imagine making one simple 30-second mistake in 10 hours of playtime? That's got to be frustrating as all hell. So I have played through this game twice. From start to finish. The first time I got three characters to the end. And the second time I've gotten five characters to the end. And when I tell you, I debate putting this game in and going for it again. Almost on a like weekly basis. Because, <laughs> because there's something so like... Because usually what ends up happening is between the decisions and the QTEs... It's usually something real minor that you didn't even think about. And then it comes up a little bit later and you're like, I didn't take the coin off the counter. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, No, you're that's exactly how it is. Um, So, like I said, this game came out in 2015, but it started in development in 2010, i.e. the PlayStation 3. Yeah. They were going to try to do the move controllers, which they actually revisit that later in a spinoff and we'll get there so like i said the story basically centers around these eight characters that are going up to this mountain cabin uh, on the anniversary of one of their friend's deaths now i don't want to get too spoilery because even though this game came out a few years ago if you have not played it you really should if you're a fan of horror media of any kind it's it's worth it But basically, like, this mysterious stuff starts happening, and they see this guy keep popping up, and it's like a slasher flick. But as the story progresses, you realize there's more to it than that. Now, you mentioned zombies. There are no zombies, but there is... Again, I don't like spoilers. Basically, it goes from a slasher flick, which is kind of grounded in reality, 
into something a little bit more spiritual and otherworldly. Aliens. Um, no, no, but we'll say aliens. Okay, there's a statute. There's a statute limitations on spoilers. <laughs> All right, we're gonna say it's five years. Because oh. people are gonna go Google Let's just this. Put it that way. There, let's just put it that way. There are some creatures. It's not just a slasher. Some creatures. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. See, yeah. that and wasn't so bad. You didn't spoil it. You say creatures. That's fine. Okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. So uh, a giant running yeah. phallus chasing down all the women folk. Maybe guy folk too. It's 2022. <laughs> so, th- so when you think about a um, a typical screenplay, one page equals one minute. Typically, you can assume that a 120-page script will turn into roughly a two-hour-long movie, give or take. They wrote over 10,000 pages for this game, which makes sense. It's about a 10-hour game, you know? They had to account for basically every possible scenario, depending on how your conversations go. The amount of work that went into this game was was pretty wild especially considering sony did not put a whole lot of uh marketing into this i remember seeing a commercial or two on tv and then just kind of word of mouth just in the horror community like you gotta check this thing out man it's pretty cool and uh yeah i was i was blown away the first time i played and on my subsequent playthrough i thought it was still great but like i said since then supermassive games has has use this to to create some new stuff too that's really really cool that we'll get to in a minute i have never seen a until dawn preview clip or anything prior to its release i think i just think i sat down one day and someone was like i'm playing until dawn and i was like okay and i was just like this is actually pretty good i mean it it looks like graphically you know it's gonna stand the test of time for a little bit yeah because what they did was when once they hired the actual um hollywood actors and actresses instead of doing like the more digitized you know sprites like they were going for originally they went to mocap. That's what they ended up giving it that realistic look. And like I said, because they had actual Hollywood uh, writers and directors working on it, it actually feels like you are playing an actual movie much more than actually just playing a typical video game. And that's good because at the era of 2015, it was mostly first-person shooters, sandbox survival, Fortnite-style stuff. So having a game, putting out a game number like that, number one, was a big risk back in 2015 because it did not go with the formula for success. Right, and, and a matter of fact, one of the games that they were pushing really, really hard at this time was Destiny. Oh, yeah. And obviously, Destiny and Until Dawn have a totally different kind of vibe about them for sure but the idea too behind this game was in all those horror movies where we we find ourselves laughing at people making silly decisions and you know oh my god why did they go in the basement they should have ran here or done this or whatever it's like okay well now you are in that situation and you've got five seconds to press the x button to go here or the circle button to go there what are you going to do and there's a there's a there's several chase scenes in the game that are really fun where you'll like bust through a door and it'll be like hide in the closet no so like there's parts like there'll be these really intense chase scenes 
and you'll bust into a room and it'll be like, okay, press X to hide under the bed, press Y to hide in the closet. And depending on what you pick, do you survive? Do you not survive? You know, little things like that. And, and it's cool because, like I said, we watch Friday the 13th and you think, oh my God, this idiot's climbing under the bed. They should get out of there. You know, it's like, okay, well now you are in control of that. What are you going to do? You know, I would turn around and fight. So that's an option. Uh, in several cases, there are parts where it's like, do you hide or do you engage? And again, depending on the scenario, depending on what's going on, maybe, you know, it'll work in your favor or not, you know. I mean, it almost sounds like this game could be one of those, I don't have to run faster than the bear, I just have to run faster than the person I'm with. Whereas it's, I don't have to worry about surviving this encounter, I just have to make sure somebody else doesn't survive. Yes. <laughs> and, and when you have these interactions with people and uh, throughout the game, the you can go to the pause screen and you can see each character's relationship with all the other characters. So depending on how you act in different situations, how you talk to different characters, it'll increase your, you know, your, not really your skills, but your personality traits. And then if you like piss off a person too many times throughout the point of the game, you're falling down and you're being chased and they're with you. Maybe they don't reach their hand out to grab you and, and pull you up. They just keep running and you get murdered. You know what I mean? The other thing that only happens a couple times in the game, so I usually screw this up because I forget it's coming, is in addition to the QTEs, in addition to the butterfly thing, they will do these don't move moments. And you have to hold the controller as still as humanly possible. And I don't know about you, but when I'm playing video games, I'm usually rocking back and forth in my chair. I'm kind of like fidgeting. I'm playing. I'm kind of moving my shoulders around. And then it says, don't move. And you're like, you're like, you don't even realize how <laughs> little you move. Like when you're not trying to move, you're still moving a little bit. Those parts are real intense because not only are you trying not to move, but what's on the screen is like some creature like right in the camera like trying to find you and you're like i can't move <laughs> <laughs> from a from a horror perspective not necessarily a video game perspective but from a horror perspective these style of games i think work really really well because it is very much it's not about how good are you at mashing the buttons and learning the you know to shoot and reload and aim it's about just the atmosphere and the decision-making, which is, again, it's like an interactive horror movie more than just a video game. Yeah. I mean, I've played Layers of Fear before where you're, what you do in that game echoes throughout the, the, the rest of the game. You know, I've played that. There's not really, well, there are quick time events where you have to like run from this little thing that's trying to chase you and slam doors and climb ladders and have it not get you. Um, it was actually a really good game. It seems like it just graphically it was a little eh. Whereas this is is a step up. And and that came out. That was one of those um that crop of PT clones that came out around yeah. that time. Um, for more information on that, refer to our first season for P is for PT, where I brag about that game forever. Um, what's PT again? Uh, that that's the one that uh, Kojima made that was supposed to be a playable teaser 
for the new <laughs> Silent Hills game that ended up getting canceled. And it is one of the scariest experiences ever. And all it is is a 30-minute demo. And it is, oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It's it's the scariest thing I've ever seen. So, um, so this came out in 2015, and it got mostly positive reviews. Some yeah. people thought they didn't – some people didn't get it, I think. Some people were just kind of like, um, what what are you – like, it's not really a game. You're just pressing buttons to talk. And, like, again, for horror people, it's like, no, we get it. We get what they're playing off of. You know, we get the joke. Um, so in 2016, they did a spinoff sequel VR thing mm-hmm. called Rush of Blood. Um this is a lot of fun. It's basically VR and you are sitting on a roller coaster with using the PlayStation Move controllers again as guns. Imagine like an old circus uh attraction or Ah, oh, we played that. Yes. Yes, yes we, we have played that. Yes. I forgot that we did do that that one time. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, and so then in 2018, they did another one called The Inpatient. Now, I have both of these, and I have played both of them. I never got too deep into The Inpatient because I just started getting sick. And I was the Sometimes VR works, and I don't have a problem, and then other times I get the motion sickness, and it, I struggle with it. Um, but it's basically just a walking simulator. Basically, what that means is... It's a whole bunch of creepy shit jumping out at you. You don't really do anything. You just walk around and experience it. Similar to Until Dawn, except Until Dawn, you do have to make decisions. You do have to find clues. This is just more like it takes place in the world of Until Dawn. But it's, yeah, there, there's not much to it from a, from a ga- gameplay perspective. But then... In 2019, they released their first actual, like, new game, and it was called Man of Maidan. And this was part one of something they were calling the Dark Pictures Anthology. So what they did was they took the concept of Until Dawn and they shrunk it down. So instead of, like, eight characters in this big house and then a couple other locations, a 10-hour game, they shrunk it down to a smaller amount of characters. In the case of Man and Maidan, uh, it mostly takes place in a like a big haunted ghost ship. And it takes maybe five hours, six hmm. hours. Until Dawn was, you know, a $60 title. These are usually in the like $20 to $30 range. But Man and Maidan was really, really good. Same thing. It, it had a couple of A-list actors. Uh, kind of, I, I didn't jot it down. But the, again, one or two people that you would recognize. And it was okay. It didn't It didn't quite get the same level of uh, high, high praise that Until Dawn did. I'm not real sure why. As far as just a, a quick little spooky experience, I thought it was pretty cool. But then in 2020, they released another one called Little Hope. Little Hope is way better. Yeah. <laughs> Little Hope is takes place during the Salem Witch Trial. It takes place in modern day with flashbacks to the Salem Witch Trials, but it's you're basically walking through this town kind of Silent Hill style and you keep seeing glimpses of these things that happened to these people in the past and oh, so creepy. The atmosphere is fantastic. 
you spend most of the game just like walking down this long ominous highway oh it's so good that one's really good then in 2021 they released another one called house of ashes and this one actually stars ashley tisdale who is uh, she was a Disney actress and she's been in a few uh, big movies. And this one to me is the weakest of the three. This one is basically like you play as like a military group that is exploring these Egyptian, style, well, I don't want to say Egyptian, but like in the Middle East, I think they're in Iraq. Uh, it takes place during sort of the war on terror era. But you're these soldiers and everybody's got weapons and everybody's got guns, but it's not a game where you can shoot so like you're encountering these monsters and all this stuff but it's all qtes it's all it yeah. felt really weird like it didn't huh. have the same like scary oppressive atmosphere as the other games did and you're military guys with machine guns and you don't just press x to shoot like you have to i don't know it didn't it didn't work as well for me I mean, I know that for some games, there's a there's a recipe, there's a a industry. We'll, we'll call it an industry standard for these games. Take for example, games like Fortnite. You know, battle royale s games. Mm -hmm. Up until Call of Duty took it over, it was over the shoulder. First person was put in later. Uh, style games with building, and then when Call of Duty took it over, when Activision took it over. It was first person, so it was the same. It was the same style. You got to loot, you got to scoot, you got to you know team up. You can go solo, however it is. So that's the battle royale formula. Uh, Apex Legends did it a bit, uh, a bunch of others. But when it comes to games like massively multiplayer online games, uh, World of Warcraft was the industry standard for a while. That was from Blizzard, which is now owned by Activision, which is now owned by Microsoft. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, let's go down that road later. So you have these industry standards for those games. Now, when it comes to games with quick time events or QTEs, as you call them, there's a few of them. Uh, what was the name of the one with that always uh, Telltale? Uh, Telltale Games, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Telltale Games were phenomenal quick time event games. They had a good recipe. It was like old school comic book graphics. Uh, they were very, very successful for a while. I played a lot of Wolf Amongst Us was one of my favorite ones to play. And then I we get into game. Dead one for a while. Yeah, I played the yeah. first one of that. Now, when it comes down to games like Until Dawn and mm -hmm. all those that have the slasher feel, the, the really spooky-esque feel, you know, I think they're still working on the formula, which is why you have some really good ones and you have some really piss poor ones. And it's not the publish, and it's not the publishers. It's not Supermassive's. Uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, it's not their fault per se. It's mm -hmm. until people buy it, people play it, and they can see what works and what doesn't work. They can't make the critiques. And when you put out a gem, like Until Dawn, and you have very little, what's uh, what's it called? Um, promotions, promotional material. You're gonna have a lag. If people buy it, they see it being played, and then, you know, so forth and so on. I mean, I don't blame them for having the poor game for the last one that you were describing, which way you were describing it, it does sound pretty poor. I just hope they take that lesson, and they're like, scrap, let's move forward. So, and that brings me to what is not yet released, ah. but what is supposedly going to be the final chapter of this uh, Dark Pictures anthology. It is called The Devil in Me. And basically, the synopsis is, 
a documentary film crew receives a mysterious invite to a replica of the murder murder castle of H.H. H. Holmes. That's a whole other rabbit hole I don't need to go into right now. H.H. <laughs> Holmes was a serial killer from way back in the day, and he basically had this hotel, I believe it was in Chicago, um, that had all these trap doors and secret windows and all this stuff where there were like, they could murder people and kind of hide the bodies and all this stuff. To me, that sounds like a formula that will work with this style of game. Slower paced, eerie atmosphere, not a whole bunch of, you know, over the top monsters and machine guns, but much more visceral. And I think that's going to, I think that's going to kind of, fingers crossed, that's going to be the best of the four. I hope. Well, we'll see, that kind of reminds me almost like uh, Larry Fair, the H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. Kind of reminds me of Layers of Fear, Layers of Fear Two. If Steven can yeah. talk today, there's no weapons. You don't really do no fighting. You just pick up stuff. You inspect stuff. You you right. you you know, flip stuff over. You find the clues. But then you certain parts of the game was like it's two way mirrors and it's you know a false wall that you find if you've done your cards right and you know all this other kind of stuff. And it was it was pretty good. It re- really yeah. was. So I do hope that it takes off. Yeah, and, and Layers of Fear, uh, like I said before, it's like first person, and it's very, like you said, there's not a whole lot of actual interacting going on. You're more or less just exploring and, and stuff like that. And Until Dawn basically takes a very similar approach, and the Dark Pictures Anthology games, where there's there's no actual like engagement, per se. It's just that's when the QTEs happen or whatever. But the difference is you have all these other characters with personalities that you kind of become attached to. And so, again, you you made the comment about, you know, play for 10 hours. You know, you scrap all that to start over halfway through because you lose a character. But you really do start to kind of care about these people. (laughs) Um, You develop an attachment. Yeah. And I will say that um, House of Ashes... The third one that's, you know, I said wasn't as good as the other two. You still care about some of the characters and you still want them to make it. And and I, I did a little bit better on that one than I did on some of the other ones because that was actually the first one that had a difficulty setting. Which I, you know, basically, here's the thing. I am a noob. I am as casual a game player as can be. I play video games like a new game will come out that I really want to play and I will play it and love it and put it down whatever and then i might not pick up another game for weeks because i just i'm I'm a busy guy with a lot going on but with with these games oh my god i don't even remember where i was going with that you probably get sucked into them yeah yeah do i mean i like like very few games very few games do i feel emotionally invested into the characters there's one and i've talked about it on the show before and that's the Gears of War. I became very, yeah. you know, after playing Gears of War 1, 2, 3, you know, 4, and 5, I became emotionally invested in, like, Dom and Marcus and Anya and Jake and all, and all them. So when Dom died, it hit me in my feels. I mean, it literally hit me in my feels. And it was one of those games to where I would play for a little bit and then I would put it down. But then I would be thinking about the game while I was doing other stuff. Like, when I was in the Army, I'd be doing stuff for the army thinking about this game. Yeah. And then I would go through and I would 
play some more and I wouldn't be able to put it down for hours and hours and hours at a time. And it would constantly be in the back part of my mind with everything I was doing. And for me, for what you're saying, to me, it sounds like that's what these these type of games are is they suck you in. You get so emotionally invested that even when you're not playing it, you're thinking about it. It's in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I remember the point I was trying to make. Okay, so the third game, the uh, House of Ashes, was the first game with a difficulty setting. And I appreciated this because I'm such a casual gamer and I don't have as much time to really, like, like really get sucked into a game. So sometimes the QTEs, sometimes, like, when you have to make a quick snap decision, I'm like, uh, uh. And and I don't play video games all the time anymore. So it's like, it takes me a minute to like, for my brain to be like, press X, X, you know where it is, just hit it. So like, I appreciated the fact that they had a setting where, okay, the QTEs were a little bit slower. You had a little more time to react. (laughs) There was one or two parts that actually like slipped into slow-mo to give you like an additional couple of seconds. And I was like, I appreciate this. <laughs> Thank you for thinking about us old people. Yes, exactly. So what do you think about that style of gameplay with like the butterfly effect, like every little decision you make affecting things further down the road? Well, I mean, like the first time where, where I experienced that had to be the Fable games when Fable first came out on the old school Xbox. You could oh, choose yeah, to be good. You could that. choose to be bad. You could choose, you know, your actions dictate not, not only how people treat you, but the way you look. You know, your, your, your stats, things like that. I believe that those type of butterfly effect games are fun, can be fun, should be fun. But a lot of people just blow through content now because now everybody wants to play the, the multiplayer content that they can just dig into. Uh, the, yeah. this, this day and age, everyone tries to be YouTube famous or Twitch famous, play the first person shooters. Or play, or, 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 or that, you know, and, and you know me, I'm more of a sandbox survival kind of game. Take it slow, it's enjoy my gameplay, not try to this, blow through it. Right, and the single player narrative driven game is, is sort of gone by the wayside. I yeah. feel like it has started to pick back up a little bit, um, in, in part due to these games, but to your point, they even have like an online co-op mode where you can play with other people online as different characters. So I've never tried this because to me, that's, that's not why I'm playing these games. Um, But I can see that being fun too, because you're not really trying to, you know, kill each other. You're trying to kind of work together to solve puzzles and stuff. So you know, I can I can see that kind of work. You know, your through your comment about single player single player campaigns going to the wayside. A good prime example of this is the new Battlefield game. What is it, 2024, whatever it's called? Battlefield is historically known to have a very compelling, driven, vivid, visually pleasing single player campaign to play where you get to experience all of the battlefield engine that runs the game without having to do online. So when a new Battlefield came out, I was like, hell yes, download. And at first I thought the game was still downloading because I went to go play the game. It was like, we're going to put you in this tutorial. And it like dropped me immediately into what I was considered multi uh, online combat, but with dummy AI. Gotcha. And it's like, no, this is not what I want to do. I want to play, yeah. play the campaign. 
I want to be the right. good guy or the bad guy or the bad guy that's secretly a good guy or whatever the hell it happens to be. Sure, sure. I want to play that. I don't want to sit there and play with stupid. They're like, you can use this to practice playing for when you play online with a bunch of other people. I'm like, yeah. how about no? Right. But that's just no. me. I mean. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so that's really about all I have. I'll, I'll wrap it up by kind of saying this, that. There is a fourth one of these coming out. I, I mentioned it a little while ago, The Devil in May. Um, and that is supposed to be the end of the Dark Pictures anthology. Uh, I would have to imagine that if it does well, there will be more uh, games of this nature. Uh, maybe not just from Supermassive, maybe from some some other developers as well that might pick up on the formula. I think getting a couple of recognizable hollywood actors <laughs> lends it a little bit of credibility oh absolutely um, and i think that that kind of helps a little bit the fact that rami malik is now a little bit of like an a-lister because of bohemian rhapsody and a couple other things he's done recently i think until dawn might be something that people go back to now to check out maybe um i think until dawn is still a little bit of an under underplayed gym i think the people who know about it think it's cool and like it but there's a lot of people that might have turned away from it because they just thought it was another survival horror game whereas if they actually realized oh this is creepy and suspenseful but it's schlocky like 80s horror movie style do you feel my eyes roll did you feel it did you feel the world shift when i rolled my eyes yes i did it was worth it yeah i would say that if you're a video game fan and you especially like if you like the telltale games and you like that kind of choose-your-own-adventure, decision-making style gameplay, even if you're not a horror fan, I would still say check out Until Dawn. And if you like it, definitely check out the Dark Dark Pictures Anthology games as well, because there's a lot lot of cool stuff in there, for sure. For sure. I know there's a game that I've played, I'll probably play again here soon, called The Forest, and that's Sandbox Survival Horror. Yeah, I've I've never played that one, but I've seen like uh, Mark Wire. I, and I might I game. might start I might start playing it just just to see. I mean, it it would be worth it if I could yeah. get somebody named the same name Monster to get in there and play too. I think it'd be pretty fun. But he's a busy man. He's a busy, busy man. man. Busy, busy man. Well, that was actually pretty good. I like that. I learned yeah, a little bit today, and yeah. I passed the test. I've graded myself. I have a hundred and ten percent, so we're good. Yeah, uh, I don't even know how you got the extra credit question that didn't print off on the scan. Because I didn't steal. Because I because I didn't steal your thunder. No, you didn't. That's that's more my my. Uh, that's that's just what we do to danger. That's what we do to danger. He deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarge, do you have any parting words of wisdom? Uh, parting words of wisdom. Um. If you ever find yourself in the 1980s-esque environment where you have to choose between going to the car or going to the garage, try to pick the running car. Uh, you probably have a better chance of survival than running in the garage full of shit that'll kill you. I couldn't said it. Couldn't have said it any better myself, sir. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. <laughs>